Ah, yes, friends. It's OGP, the one giant podcast coming to you on a Friday and almost every day now. We're just we're, we're too jacked up, couldn't slow down, too much to cover. I, of course, am at Adam Armbrecht, at Adam Armbrecht as well over on Twitter and covering the Brooklyn Nets on the Locked On Net podcast with my boy Doug Norrie over there, co-host, fellow host, healthy, wealthy, wise, and well-informed this offseason, Mr. Andrew Makowitz. Adam, I'm a little sad, to be honest, because I was starting to like the Joe Judge little uh, button pressing that you had going on over there. He was getting, you know, he told me how committed he was, you know, and, and it really felt good. I mean, are you still committed, even though Joe Judge isn't here anymore? I'm moving off of that while I may be committed. I'm going to go ahead and move away from Joe Judge. And quite frankly, that don't bother me. You see what we did there? You still managed to sneak one in. Don't worry. There'll be new sound clips here. Can I just go ahead? Yeah. Yeah, I, Adam, I, I've got an idea. What we should do is take some of the audio from the from the John Mara press conference. Yes. And yes. until this gets right, we can say, yes, I, I would have to agree. This is the lowest moment as an owner ever of the New York Giants. Like we could just have that until we feel like this thing is is moving in the right direction. Believe you me, Andy, I'm already I'm already culling through the sound bites out there and we will be transitioning to some new fun and festive vocal performances from some of the members and uh, former members. That's what the the deck you got to shuffle. This is the Titanic, right? We're just moving chairs around and some of them are sliding right off the edge. Listen, we're going to dive back in here. We've covered a lot of the GM candidates. Just going to run down a recap of who's been in for the New York football giants so far, and then some of the ones that lie ahead. Anybody that we hadn't covered initially or even touched on when we had that great episode with Candace Cooper, Locked on ACC, go check that one out. It was really a, a lot of fun to have her on again. Um, and then we're going to look ahead to some of the guys that will be coming in the door. And I've got a bit of surprise for Andy on the back end of this one as well, a name to keep in mind from a coaching perspective. Uh, on Wednesday, Andy, we had obviously – uh, Joe Shane, the assistant GM over with the Bills. Also, Adrian Wilson, VP of Pro Scouting with the Cardinals. Any quick tips on um, Adrian Wilson as he was the name that we didn't really dip into when we were first sending out our list? Yeah, Adam. Uh, Adrian Wilson, former All-Pro for the Cardinals, was an amazing football player. Was a yep. really, really great football player. He joined the front office of the Cardinals in 2015. And it's basically had this meteoric rise where he just keeps getting promoted. Everyone loves him inside the building. And so he's only had, you know, six to seven, now seven years of experience, yet he's interviewing for general manager jobs. Like it's a crazy rise. He's clearly the least experienced in terms of front office of all of the candidates, but he's the best player of any of the, of the candidates. Does, does the lack of experience, you know, get, kind of nullified by the fact that he played for so many years, was a captain, was well-respected on the field during his playing time? Well, I mean, listen, some of the best players across any sport, uh, you know, they always say it's like, you know, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, when they say, we'll just do it. You're like, yeah, but I'm not you, right? Like, so sometimes being naturally gifted or one of the best at your position or in your sport doesn't always translate to being able to communicate or scout or figure out who the best players are going to be and how to best utilize your cap space, your draft picks, your free agent assets, et cetera. But the fact that he has been so well regarded in a pretty short amount of time with the Cardinals is an impressive thing. I, I, it's tricky, right? Because our last sample size was Dave Gettleman, a guy with a ton of experience, right? Veteran of the NFL and, and look where it got you to. And we actually kind of did this combination of, 
ton of experience behind the scenes and no experience at the helm with Joe Judge. And that was the the perfect opportunity to have things fall through. I think what I would say about Adrian Wilson, if you want to go with him, you're, you're not going to hear me scoff at it. What I what I do like about it is the Giants are taking a look VP of pro scouting. There could be an assistant GM opportunity here, right? So what you're also doing is maybe affording yourself a chance once you hire your GM to say, here's some other guys we had in the door. We, we may have some other openings underneath you. And this was our impression of them at the start. We know there's a lot of these overlaps and connections, but I don't mind bringing a guy in to get a sense of them. And while our John Mara sample size on, I was blown away by Joe Judge. So I went with him. That may not feel great. If you get blown away by Adrian Wilson, it's all right. Like, I think you need to go with what makes the most sense and and go with the candidate that presents the vision that that really aligns with you. And I think Adrian Wilson, at the very least, is tapped in from an eye test, right, from a player perspective, knowing the product you want to put it out, out there on the field. The, the only issue with that, Adam, is imagine Joe Shane or someone else gets hired as the general manager, and then you yet again have John Mara saying, hey, by the way, I think this person would be really good for you to be able to meet with. It's like, oh, when your boss tells you, like, you should really take a look at this guy, like, what do you think is going to happen, right? And so that's the only challenge with all this is, like, you can only pick one guy, and then you have to let him have his own decisions. But, I mean, I guess it, it can't hurt for someone to come in and say, here were the grades that we had, or here's, you know, these people stood out, but you were that much better, however they want to do it. You know, from what I'm hearing, Joe Shane unsurprisingly crushed his interview on Wednesday as well. So, yeah. Um, it, could, could be the Giants are already building Joe Shane up because they want to hire him, which is the reason that some of this stuff is coming out. Well, and listen, within an organization, whether it's the offensive coordinator telling the head coach some plays he thinks that are going to work on Sunday, the head coach telling the assistant GM, the GM, hey, I like these guys in the draft. All this information is supposed to go up to the GM, and then the GM still makes the, the, the choice about what's going to be the best path forward. And take it for whatever you want. That's what John Mayer said in the press conference, you know, he may be trying to clean up some of the, the perception mess, but this idea that ah, we're all in the room and everybody's throwing their bones down on the table and we have to suss it out together. He, he did reiterate that the structure goes with the GM, the head coach. They make their call. It comes to me. And unless I feel like there's some real red flag about it, I approve it because it's their recommendation and their vision. And, and that can be, you know getting yourself out of the line of fire about what went wrong over the past handful of years, but also saying I'm willing to lean into that. So I think you give your two cents and you allow your GM ultimately to make the right call Thursday for the New York football giants. You had Quentin Harris, the VP of player personnel with the Cardinals. And then you also had Ryan Poles, director of player personnel with the chiefs come in, hit us uh, on those two. We know we, we mentioned polls, I think on the other episode, but we did not get to Quentin Harris. Yeah, we, we talked about polls a little bit. He's the uh, offensive tackle fun fact for Matt Ryan at Boston College. Um, <clears throat> he, came, he came in on Thursday. We didn't uh, really do much with Quentin Harris, um, VP of player personnel with the Cardinals. He's actually been with the Cardinals for 14 years. He was a, he was a former player. It seems like the Cardinals really like to do that. They like to keep their players in-house once they play for them. Um, I mean, I like Quentin Harris because he's a former Syracuse alumni, and clearly there's just just a, the level of intelligence that people have graduating from such a prestigious institution. Can't you know, confirm that maybe, on this podcast, but sure. Yeah, you'd be foolish not to interview someone with those credentials. But, you know, this is his first year as the VP uh, of, of player personnel. So I, I'm just wondering, it's the same thing with Adrian Wilson. You know, he's been there for a while, but he's just gotten promoted to like one of the higher chairs, at, you know, in the seat at the table. Does that concern you at all with Quentin Harris? No, because again, like it's like 
you, you want to wait, right? So what do you want to do? You want to wait until another organization hires a rising star around the NFL so he can have success at another spot. And then somebody, if you get, first of all, you get hired as a GM somewhere else, well, you're not getting your hands on him. And if he gets hired as an assistant GM, when you look around the league and you see some of the ages of some of these executives and GMs, et cetera, you realize that a lot of these, a lot of the times you're looking to groom the guy to be in place to take over as GM. So you want to miss out on the opportunity because you don't think the track record is strong enough. You have to trust your convictions on it. And I'll just throw in here as well. Now we've seen that that's two names from the Cardinals, right? So maybe that's even the overlap that you like. Let me get a sense of both of these guys in case whoever you think is in line for the GM job. I want to bring the other guy along with me. Hey, we already talked to him. So I can I can already give you the vote of confidence and sign off if you're John Mara around hiring in someone else in the organization. So no, again, I, I, I'm not going to behold in someone to this, this standard of it's got to be someone with 30 years experience. There's validity to it. Track records matter. But you also need to be willing to trust your process and go with who you think is going to be the best candidate. On Friday, it. that's today, right now, wrapping up their interviews, if not already concluded, uh, Monty Ozenfort, that's the director of player personnel with the Titans. We had touched on him uh, the other day. And then also Ryan Cowden, VP of player personnel with that same Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so they're doing exactly what you talked about with the Cardinals. They're bringing in two um, different people from, from the Titans, and they actually come from different backgrounds. So Mon Monty Ozenfort, director of player personnel, uh, he actually was with the Pats for 12 years. So there's another Patriots connection. Clearly, they've been doing something right for a couple of decades uh, with all the different Super Bowl wins that they've had. Um, I believe he was there for three of them and was responsible for um, a lot of the the draft work that they did. Mm -hmm. um, the the one thing that I will say about Austin Fort is he's a Minnesota guy. Uh, he was born in Minnesota, went to uh, University of Minnesota Morris, I believe it was. Um, and so the, the challenge that we have is that it just came out that the Vikings have requested to interview Monty Austin Fort for their general manager role. Mm -hmm. And if, you know, he's a, you know, Minnesota guys seem to be pretty loyal for their state feels like they probably have a leg up already. If the giants really wanted him, I think it may be tough if the, if the Vikings offer that job, Adam. Yeah. I, that, that's the, you know, we've talked about some of these connections that we're seeing from staff to staff that how they could tie back into the giants organization or where overlaps occur. That exists everywhere else too, right? There, there's, there's situations around the league where these other teams have been waiting for an opportunity, right? We move on from our head coach. We're looking to turn over the culture in Minnesota. We've had this guy on our mind. Remember when uh, Pat Shermer was denied trying to bring over someone from Minnesota when he was hired as the Giants head coach. So even though we can draw these connections and get excited about what it could mean for the Giants, it's not that this is the only place these people have been. You know, the overlaps don't only all tie them to New York and making it be, this is a perfect scenario for the Giants. There's probably six or seven other spots along the way that some of these players and personnel and behind-the-scenes guys have had connections, and they've been waiting for the chance to get back there at some point. Do you, do you, think, that, um, do you think that it's worth getting into these, these bidding wars around some of these players? I'll throw in Brian Flores here just because um, he's going to be interviewing down there for, for Houston's opening now at the head coaching spot. When you see some of the overlaps, do you look at them and say, boy, their connections are stronger and deeper. I don't want to get in the middle of someone else's excitement around a candidate because maybe it's the connection that skews them, right? This is the worry about balancing it. Don't be beholden to knowing someone or having familiarity. When you go and get, say, Shane from the Bills, 
You want his connections to be valuable, but you don't want it to be short-sighted around some of the other candidates that are in the NFL. Do you try to back away from some of those when you feel like another organization is really showing conviction around wanting someone? No, I think I think you need to ratchet up your conviction. If 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 you like a guy and you've done your due diligence and you believe he is the person that can best lead the Giants, you do whatever you need to do to make it happen. Like we can't just be like, oh well, you know, this team's throw a million dollars more a year at Brian Flores. We can't do that. We 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 don't want to outbid ourselves. It's like, no, if you believe he is the right guy, whether it's the general manager, head coach, assistant GM. You go get that guy because it has a decade-long ramifications if you don't, right? Like, if you take the second-best guy in your evaluation, and you're going to be looking at the other guy that's that's flourishing in Houston or Minnesota or Chicago or wherever, and you're going to rue the day that you decided to save a couple of bucks or not be as aggressive because another team was pursuing someone, right? No, hundred, yeah, exactly. So I, again, this is all about trying to suss out the best possible scenario. I quickly pulled up. Is there anybody that jumps out of you? Just we'll start with Tennessee here, since we're we're on on them right now. Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator. You know, when you look inside of their staff, is there someone there that again, in the old trickle down effect of hiring a GM, then you look inside of that team. Shane Bowen there on the defensive side. Is, is there any name there or? Even just a sense, right? Variable's done a great job in Tennessee, I think, overall. He's been one of the few guys that has had success coming out what feels like under the, the Belichick umbrella from his playing days. Is there anyone there or or the system that they've run that gets you excited? Because my natural instinct is, well, Derrick Henry sure makes things a lot better. Now, you're also operating with Ryan Tannenhill. I don't think that he's the upper echelon quarterback class, right? So there's this balancing for me when you look there because that team has had relatively solid success. And it's not as though you have the Aaron Rodgers or, or Tom Brady's of the world, especially on the offensive side. So it's funny that you say that because my my short answer is no, there isn't anyone that really excites me from the coaching staff. I think Mike Vrabel is probably going to win coach of the year and he's not going to go anywhere. Why would he leave that job? But the other person that the Giants are interviewing, Ryan Cowden, is the VP of player personnel for the Titans. And yep. he's actually the one that I'm I'm interested in. The more I've done a little bit more research on him, the more I'm interested in him. He's been in the league for 22 years. He started in 2000 with the Carolina Panthers, Adam, oh, sure. and and he was uh, you know high and high up uh, player personnel scouting guy who was part in the draft room doing things with like Cam Newton and Luke Keekley and all the other guys that we love. He was responsible for bringing in Josh Norman. There, you know, when Josh Norman was a, a, a good player, he he did a lot of great things with the Carolina Panthers. And then when he came over to the Tennessee Titans four or five years ago. Oh, ho hum. He was one of the guy, main guys that basically said we need to get Derrick Henry, right? So, like, he's been pulling the strings, picking the right people. And so, for me, you know, and the, the other thing that I'll say about um, Cowden, and then I'll, I'll turn it back to you, is in his bio, this is what it says about him Cowden oversees all areas of the scouting department, both college and pro, including advanced scouting, free agency preparation, and evaluation of all players in the NFL and all other professional leagues. He also assists with college scouting and preparation for the NFL draft for the Tennessee Titans. Like yeah. it's like and a partridge in a pear tree. You're like, what is he not doing? If he's doing all that stuff, like college pro scouting evaluation of players. Like I like that. He has his hand in all this stuff. He's not a one trick pony. And to me, he's one of those people that I, I was like, who is Ryan Cowden? And now the more I, I see his resume and his body of work, the more I'm, I'm getting excited about bringing him in. Yeah, no, it's uh, again that that's I think something you brought up on the previous episode when we started talking about GMs of 
I do. I like hearing the guys that are still active in these roles. And it even extends to head coaches or coaching staff members when you when you hear that they're and we'll get to one on the back end of this, but when you hear a, an offensive coordinator that also takes care of the wide receiver room or an offensive line coach that also does wide receiver coaching and takes care of special teams, the overlap of those things just gives me a better sense. And I know Joe Judge had some of that on his resume too, but it just gives you a better sense that these guys are involved. And I am a big fan of, from a an executive and assistant GM, GM standpoint, I, I like hearing guys that came out of the scouting department because obviously the Giants have struggled in that area over the years to use their draft picks properly and even free agency, right? And that, you know, we always talk about drafting and the scouting department. It's the same thing for free agents. Like you're still scouting those players right now. You're looking at how they performed in other systems, how they're going to fit into what you guys want to accomplish and making sure that you don't look at a 30 year old linebacker and oversell yourself on what they're capable of at this point of their game. So a critical eye is something that I can't, I think cannot be overvalued in this, in the situation on uh, Saturday, we will, we will get Joe Hortiz. And I had Andy go ahead and give me the proper pronunciation on that because the mind likes to play tricks with letters. Directors of player personnel for the Ravens. A uh, quick hit on this. You mentioned this the other day. He has uh, he has longstanding ties with the Ravens organization. Uh, you mentioned having a little bit of reservation around someone that maybe has been a part of such a successful organization that it's hard to separate them and say he's capable of having the success on on his own. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge is uh, GM Ozum, who retired three years ago from the Ravens, is considered arguably the best GM ever in, in NFL history. And Joe Hortiz has been underneath him for quite a while. And so the, the challenge that you have is when a guy is under an all-time great, and that's the only place he's been, and they've had success, does he have his own system? How much was he involved in, in, the, in those decision decisions to bring in all those talented players the Ravens has had over the years? I think... People like Hortiz because he's got a ton of experience and he learned under someone like Ozzie Newsom. I'm a little bit more worried about him just knowing that he's been in one place, seen it done one way, and, and maybe doesn't have the versatility of some of these other candidates. Would you be excited if Wink Martindale became associated with that? Say Hortiz comes in and then the head coaching opportunity. Remember, uh, Martindale did interview with the Giants the last time around before they hired Joe Judge. And coming out of that interview... Martindale said on his end, I loved every, I, you know, one of the, one of the organs, you know, stalwart organizations of the NFL really like that opportunity. Like he was made no bones about it. Now here's a guy that's been waiting for his chance in a lot of ways. So you think he's going to speak highly of any opportunity There's only, as we say, 32 chances for this in the NFL, but he seemed to really, he said, I was disappointed. I didn't disappointed. I didn't get it. Really love the organization, love the opportunity, and, and I'm excited about what that, what you could do there inside of the, the Giants, you know, brain trust. Would you be excited about Wink Martindale? Because we're going to get to another one coming in on Monday, obviously, um, and some other names around the head coaching ones. But sometimes I have reservations around, we said this the other day um, with Kansas City, sometimes you have reservations around a name that that keeps coming up but never gets the opportunity, right? For whatever the the lack of experience at the highest level for Joe Judge was, hey, comes out of left field and you give him a shot. I, I I tend to be more excited about the new candidate or the guy that has risen over the last three, four, five seasons. And maybe that's a little bit short-sighted because a guy that's been doing it for 20, 30 years in the NFL obviously has found a way to have sustained sustain success. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of on the other side of this with, with Wing Martindale. It's like he interviewed over two years ago, and he couldn't beat out Joe Judge, right? 
And so now we're saying, let's give it another go. And it's like, okay, he was your second favorite. And then guess what? Two years have gone by and he hasn't had like, like what he's interviewed for other positions. Has he gotten another job? Like he, he didn't, did he not interview at all last off season? So we're saying two years have gone by. He was your second favorite choice. No one else wanted to, to pick him up. He may be a, a great coach, but I think you, you saw how, how, terrible the the whole decision making process went during the last situation i think you just kind of move away from that focus on on a, a completely different direction i don't want it to be like oh well we like Cortez and he's promising wink martindale we kind of liked him he was our third favorite choice so let's put this all together it's like no clean break no nothing with the organization get all these connections out of here and, and, may, and maybe that's part of this you know problem or issue depending on who you think could be the gm so we, we talked about it before with the bills Hey, you tell me that it's Shane and he wants to bring Dable. Okay. Like I, I can wrap my head around that. Whereas um, with, with Ortiz, it just feels a little different because you've heard Martindale's name before and there hasn't been this clamoring for him. Quickly before we get to uh, the Monday interviews, I, I want to mention that Leslie Frazier is also on the uh, Buffalo Bills coaching staff. Would it be, I'm not going to say concerning, and I, I think we know the, the, the short answer is no, I'm not concerned if Shane sold Mara on Leslie Frazier. He had a brief stint as the head coach, three years with the Vikings, you know, up and down, right? Started out poorly, had a big spike in his second year, and then really plummeted back down to earth from a record standpoint. You haven't heard a lot of chatter around that, but you, you do have to think that anyone who's a coordinator is going to have the opportunity to come along with the GM. Would that give you reservations if Shane said, I love it, I want to be here, and Leslie Frazier is my guy? Uh, I mean, Leslie Frazier's already been announced uh, interviewing at a couple different places. Yep. Um, I mean, but so, you know, so his name's back up there, right? Yeah, like he's the guy that he had a head coaching job, reset himself, and looks like the market is bold. He's he's a great defensive mind. Uh, the thing that I keep thinking about, and it, it's probably just a bad look on my part, is like it just feels uninspiring, right? No, and, no, I, I agree. I, I, and and, and honestly, it's horrible. But it, same because, exact thing. Like I was like, I heard Frazier, and I go, and, that, and that's not the right way to analyze right. them. But like, it just, like yeah. you, you, if you mentioned to me Byron Leftwich, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like he's he built up Tampa Bay. They looked like they had a really good offense even under Jameis Winston. Tom Brady goes in. They win a Super Bowl. He he seems to like he he's really getting all all this knowledge, like breath of fresh air on offense. That excites me. But I don't necessarily know that he's a better coach than Leslie Frazier, right? Like, so like that's the tough part about it, and and that's why they don't pay me uh, the big bucks to make those decisions. But yeah, I w I wouldn't be too excited about Leslie Frazier, but I'm not going to be mad because the whole point of this is pick a GM that has conviction and bring in the guy that he wants. All right, over on Monday, then arguably this is your favorite candidate. I think I think you you have him slightly ahead of probably uh, Shane from the Buffalo Bills, and that's Adam Peters. We mentioned him already, assistant GM with the 49ers, and then Rand Carthen, director of player personnel. They'll be in on Monday. Do you? I, I was kind of musing on this. You know, John Maris said, "Don't want to rush it." We felt like maybe I, it was too quick the last time around, which is concerning in its own right. But do you think that this is kind of set up? Obviously, you have to wait because they have the game against the uh, the Dallas Cowboys over the weekend. But do you think that this is kind of set up to say we brought in a very strong candidate in Shane from the Buffalo Bills? He set the standard probably for us now, and now Adam Peters can come in and if you if you trump it, if you if you can sh if you blow us out of the waters here, it could recycle back around for a second interview. Or Adam Peters, this is your one to come get on Monday, potentially, if you really sell us on your vision. 
Yeah, I mean, they're obviously waiting until, you know, the assistant GM has uh, uh, some pretty important things to do considering that they're in the playoffs and and still playing this this weekend. Um, it, it's tough because we don't want them to to be too uh, trigger happy in terms of, of pulling, you know, pulling the, the trigger on something. But at the same time, I really do like Adam Peters. The, the more we talk about it, he he was helpful in the scouting department in New England, bringing in some amazing talent in there that helped them win a bunch of Super Bowls. He then goes to Denver, Adam, and he builds it up. He gets a ton of draft capital and sets up the team for their Super Bowl run. And the, and the only reason why he leaves as they win a Super Bowl championship is because he was never going to get the GM job. You know, basically, it would be living in the shadows of John Elway the entire time that, that he's there, right? And so he goes over to San Francisco. And he continues his amazing run, you know, working with John Lynch and, and others. And I think he's he's ready. Like he he's done it in three spots. He's helped build up Super Bowl caliber rosters in all three places. Now he hasn't been the main focus, but clearly he's finding himself in the right situations. So if nothing else, he's in, insanely intelligent in picking the right spots where he knows he can be successful. So to me, if he decides he wants in on this, I, I'm I'm excited for it. Specifically with this opportunity and Adam Peters, this is one of the ones where I'm pretty intrigued about the coaching staff for the 49ers. And th this is where when you mention a guy like Mike McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive side of the ball. Do you because I, I really, I, you know, that's some young guys, right? Relatively young guys. But we know what the 49ers have been capable of. I'll start on the offensive side. Uh, with Mike McDaniels, the fact that they dealt with a slew of injuries over the last couple of seasons, they had running backs dropping like flies. Jimmy Garoppolo is a good, not great, sometimes erratic quarterback from, from an under center standpoint. And yet they found ways to be successful. They found ways to manufacture, you know, offensive success specifically whew, in the running game. I look at it as like, man, you guys have scouted well. You, you know how to build rosters, right? When we talk about the GM. And then I, I look at some guys on this staff and I say, you know how to manufacture success as well. We know there's a brilliant mind at the helm, we think. But does that and does that make, give you pause and overlook some of potentially maybe dark horse candidates, young minds that, that could be brought in at the head coaching position? I, I love that you're bringing this up, Adam, because if people don't know, you are obsessed with the offensive coordinator of the San Francisco 49ers because he reminds you of a dude that would be making your sub at Subway and then you want to hang out with him in the parking lot and like smoke a joint in behind the dumpster. Like he, he kind of feels like that guy with his vibe. Yeah. And, and so I it, do it every is, time, you know? it's none of your yeah, business. Exactly. But uh, I mean, the, the, but the idea of Mike McDaniel is, is interesting. You know, you listen to the way that he thinks and he's kind of like this mad scientist. I don't know if I'm down with it to be my head coach, like running a whole organization, but they were basically like someone asked them a, qu a question in the press conference and they were like, Hey, usually when you pitch the ball, you either pitch it left or you pitch it right because mm -hmm. you want to get as to the edge as fast as possible. So it seems strange that you would pitch it directly backwards and then run straight. Is there a logic to that? And he looks at the camera, points both his fingers. He's like that, that what you just said is the reason why we do it. The second you see a pitch, if we can get them a half a step moving to the outside saying this is an edge rush and they run it up the middle, we have won on that play. And like, I kind of looked at that. I was like, wow, I didn't think of that. And that's pretty genius. I think sometimes, yeah. And you're right. Like from, from a coaching perspective, sometimes, you know, we talk about all of the, the standard explanations you want from head coaches, the way you want to run things, et cetera. Like, I, you know, we've talked about it before, the predictability of the giants offense and how things have looked like, 
I don't mind a guy that doesn't feel like he really fits in the NFL mold because it just means that I'm not restrained by conventional wisdom on something. And I think that sometimes that affords you the ability to look at an opportunity and say, no, you know what? This will be this won't will not be anticipated. And guess what? One of the big pieces to having success in that regard is having a strong offensive line in front of you. But if that's the first tenant of what the Giants want to accomplish this offseason and in the draft, suddenly it opens up the opportunities. When we look back at this roster and we think about Devontae Booker maybe being a carryover and going into the draft and getting another couple of nice complimentary running backs. Yeah. Guess what? It's okay to have your identity be couched in this this idea of if you don't see what's coming. If you can't identify what we're about to do, that gets us an extra yard and a half right off the bat. And everything thereafter is predicated on the team, the personnel, and being able to do your job correctly. So listen, you know me, man. I'm I'm like this on the net side of things. I've been hyped all over the place off the rookies getting playing time now. So it, it goes the same way. Like I like new voices, new minds, and new experiences. So obviously, uh, we'll come back in after the weekend and we'll talk about some of the takeaways that we're hearing from any of these candidates and what it may look like going forward. The last thing I want to get out of the door here on, though, Andy, I'm going to put up. You're going to see the scroll just across the bottom of the screen. And what you see here is 99 to 2010 wide receiver coach, senior offensive assistant from 11 and 12, Kansas City assistant head coach and wide receiver coach from 2013 to 2016, Buffalo Bills QB coach 2017-2018. That includes Josh Allen's year, Baltimore assistant head coach and wide receiver coach, as well as being the passing coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens while they've had Lamar Jackson there. Do you know who that is? Ooh. Uh, I don't. I don't, Adam. I don't even have a guess. Recently fired and somewhat inexcusably so, David Culley, former head coach of the Houston Texans. I'm not going to tell you that I think he should be a head coaching candidate necessarily for the New York football Giants. But what I love about what I read in his resume is look at the places he overlapped. I mentioned Josh Allen, mentioned Lamar Jackson. This guy has made key stops and being a QB coordinator, working with the quarterback play. Remember what Josh Allen was when he first came out to where he ended up in his second season. I Again, I, would, I wouldn't be disgusted if they brought him in and talked to him about the head coaching opportunity. And you see where the overlaps are in Buffalo, right, in Baltimore. So there's connections here when you look at the chain of potential GM candidates. This is a guy, though, that I wouldn't hate having it on the staff, whether it's for Daniel Jones or rookie quarterback that you're going to bring in. He seems like a guy that understands multiple positions. We talk about NFL experience. He's been around. He's 66 years old. So maybe if you, if I wanted to trend young with a head coach, fine. But there's a role for him, I think, potentially, or at least an opportunity that you want to bring him in. Because by all accounts, when you're a four-win team in Houston and the following year, he takes over as the head coach. You, you know you don't have your quarterback of choice. You know it's been a disaster. You're stripping this thing away for parts. That was a hard-fighting, well-coached team that surprised a lot of weekends relative to what the expectations were, whether it was far exceeding what the spread told you and outright winning some games that they shouldn't have. And we know that the GM for the Houston Texans has his eyes on bringing in Brian Flores, so it may have just been a product of opportunity. I think this is a guy that the Giants, the next GM, you should want to have in the room to help you guide this thing forward at whatever level you think he fits. Yeah, you know, that's really surprising to see. It's not surprising to see that he's, uh, you know, been well-respected in well-respected organizations because everyone talks about David Culley as being a great human being and individual. Yep. It, what's crazy, Adam, is, yeah, he he overlaps with Ryan Poles. He overlaps a year with Joe Shane, and he over, overlaps with Joe Hortiz. So, like... Yep. Three out of the nine candidates, there's a 33% chance that one of those candidates like hits 
And then they're like, hey, listen, if we go with an inexperienced head coach, what if we have him as an assistant coach? And he becomes an assistant head coach like he was at the Kansas City Chiefs and under John Harbaugh in, in Baltimore. I, I would not. I would. I don't know if I necessarily want David Culley as our head coach, even though he may deserve it after doing what he did with with the Texans. But if we can get him in the building and being an associate head coach to one of these guys that's never been a head coach in the NFL, I would sign up for that today. Yep. I, I, again, I just I, I started going into that research when you heard how kind of disappointed people around the NFL were in the Houston Texans for firing him. It just again unlike the system of you know the structure in place of well we hired dave gettleman then john mara got the recommendation on joe judge and then john mara suggested jason garrett and all of a sudden you're saddling each level of your organization with different players and people that you think should fit this would be a very easy one where depending on who you go gm all these cross connections all of a sudden that gm could come in and say i'm bringing my offensive or defensive coordinator for my previous job and i'm going to recommend to them in this nice chain of command, here's a good mind that could be a part of this. And in the case of, say, Shane, you could be bringing the offensive coordinator in Dable, who was there with Cully. Cully was there with them, right? So the overlap would actually be not just from the GM, right down the line to the potential head coach you may bring in. So keep that in mind, my friends. As we like to say at the end of the day, the, the process is underway. Outside eyes tend to be really applauding the way the Giants have approached this. They've been very proactive. They've been scheduling as many interviews as, as possible, and it looks like, unlike the last time, where everything was a sit-back, wait-and-see, or bring in you know, Dave Gettleman and, and have the slow-moving train and kind of get caught behind the eight ball, you'd like to think whoever is going to be brought in here as the GM and then down the line with the other decisions, this has been as positive a process as the Giants have been able to, to execute or in recent memory, right? So you have to at least feel good about this. Whether or not they end up with the perfect candidate you prefer or I prefer or the fan base wants, it feels like there is a number of incredibly talented guys that can get brought in. Like, there's a world where you can tell me any one of three guys get brought in as a GM, and I'm happy, right? And that's probably the best-case scenario right now as it stands. We'll be back in after the weekend, but are you, are you Adam Peters? Is that your guy right now? Is that your preferred leader in the clubhouse? Yes, Peters is my guy. Um, I would not be upset with Joe Shane. I think he he's a he's a great candidate. Either of those two are, are one in one A, really, to me. But but again, you know, uh, I, I don't know if I would be too upset with any of these candidates, and that speaks volumes about the GM search, as you just said. Uh, what about you, Adam? Do you have a leader in the clubhouse? I, I've always had an affinity for the 49ers. I, I've always liked the way they've been run. I, I think that, again, we talk about injuries up and down seasons, getting the most out of your quarterback play. It, it just, and you can say this about a lot of these organizations. I, I have nothing negative to say about Shane. I'd be happy with him to come in. I do think that the Buffalo Bills success track record is, is relatively short, right? Getting things going in the right direction. Now that can directly be attributed to Shane and that's what makes you so excited. So I don't want it to sound like I'm not high on him and I wouldn't be absolutely thrilled and excited, but from a top down structure, I love a lot of what it would look like to bring in Adam Peters, especially if it gets me Mike McDaniels, who knows, but you know what I mean? Like I just, I like what the, the GM assistant GM, what coordinators could look like. I think there's just a lot of names that start to tie into it that feel good to me. So I'll, I'm probably on board with you there. I'll spend a little bit of time over the weekend, reevaluating, assessing, looking for some more of these deeper coaching connections. And then when we come in on Monday, because we don't think anything's going to be announced immediately, we can kind of refine some of our choices and maybe highlight this GM. I like let's, let's remove the connections inside of organizations and just say, who'd be your top guy at GM at assistant GM head coach, and then some coordinators we like as well. So 
Be sure to come back in for that, obviously. This episode goes up today, Friday, and then probably also on Friday, we're going to be running down the playoffs as we talked about. This is the the fun thing we're going to do here and carry it over into next season as well. Andy and I, head-to-head, going through the playoffs, picking them, using the lines, checking the spreads, keeping an eye on the weather, and we're going to see who comes out on top over the run of these playoffs. First up, obviously, Wild Card Weekend. One-point matches across the board, increasing in value by one point by every single round of the playoffs until the Super Bowl. Who is the better predictor? Andy has all, all of the knowledge on the lines. You know he's big in betting. If you listen to the show, you know I have no clue what's going on with that, and yet, I think we know who the brighter football mind is here. So be sure to follow us on social media. We've been jumping in on some Twitter spaces as well. You can catch us on those. Subscribe over on YouTube where we're starting to see a nice big spike in numbers. Get in on the comments. Ask your questions. Give your takes on all these great candidates. And until next time, as we say, this offseason now more than ever, Andy Makowitz wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.